Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Okay. Hi, it's Wednesday afternoon. Let me see if I can do the Haftorah. Uh, I didn't have anybody for the Haftorah today, but then our patron saint, Abe Gluck, uh, Gluck Plumbing in, in Lakewood, stepped up to the plate. I'm very grateful. I don't have anybody for the coming week. So if anybody's been thinking about whether or not it's a good time to sponsor, now's a good time to sponsor because I have a clean slate for the next week. <coughs> but <coughs> I do thank the Glucks. Maybe we'll get together. Hopefully I may possibly be in Lakewood next week. And uh, anyway, that's that. Now let's get down to business. <clears throat> we have the Torah, of course, of Shlach, which is the story of Rachel Bazon and the two spies. I'm going to share with you what I consider to be a classic and very cute, nice uh, abarbanel. Uh, <clears throat> the way the story goes, and I know you know the story, that uh, Yoshua, Joshua, sends two spies, traditionally supposed to be Kalev and uh, Pinchas, in which cases, I think I mentioned last year or some other times, a little bit strange, they go to the house of Rachel Bazona. Uh, <laughs> they didn't exactly fit in there. The whole purpose of a spy is to be inconspicuous, correct? Can't have two guys walking in. One looks like the Bells of Rebbe, and the other guy looks like, I don't know, uh, you know, the Kazanish. <laughs> and, you know, they don't exactly behave like the other customers in the house of Rachel Bazona without failing to call attention to themselves. And the Pusik does indeed say, by Omar, uh, by, it was immediately told to the king of Richel, there are two spies here. Gee, I wonder how they figured that one out. <clears throat> so, if you go with Devart, that it's these two famous people, Chalab and Yifuna, and, uh, and Pinchas ben Elazar Cohen, it's a, quite a pecan story. And I don't want to go down that road today, but any of you who do, you're going to have to ask yourself the following question. Which is, so how did Kalev and Pinchas prepare themselves for this mission? They have to go spying. Obviously, they had to change their appearance and this, and that, and the other. Those you do what you got to do uh, <clears throat> when it's on a mission of spying, which is behalf of Kalev's role. And this falls in the category, as they call it, a franchier, which is, can Eli Kohn eat treif? Yeah, that's what it boils down to. When he's a spy in Syria, <clears throat> obviously, he's got to blend in. Is he allowed to eat treif? And if he's not, then how's he going to be a spy? That's one mahalach, and like I say, I'm going to leave that alone. Instead, I'm going to do, share with you a paragraph in the Barbanel, who's really good when he's good. And uh, a Barbanel is in the 15th century, so it's a contemporary of Nicola Machiavelli. It's a very Machiavellian passage, and I don't mean that in a cynical way at all. I mean in the sense of political science. Studying politics as an art form, as a science, and know what to do, what not to, and especially learn from the mistakes of others. Because according to the Abarbanel, uh, this whole uh, mission that Joshua sent him on was an exercise in learning from the mistake of Moshe, who obviously made a big mistake, as we know from the parsha of Shalach. So let me share with you, as they say, for this observation on the part of the Abarbanel, which I think is very acute, and it's only a paragraph, 
And he says like this, <clears throat> you know, the Bible always starts with questions. He says, how could Yoshua send spies? Didn't he learn from Moshe? Blah, blah, blah. So he says like this, in the Yoshua, Joshua was, after all, previously one of the 12 spies in this week's Parsha. So he was 100% familiar with all the aspects and details of the fiasco of the Meraglim. Right? I mean, he was one of the 12 spies. Kahoshi Ahmed says as we all know. And Darbarbanel suggests because Joshua was a core player in the whole drama, the tragic drama that culminated on that famous Tishabov when the spies gave a bad report and everybody started screaming and crying. So he knew the whole situation in and out, and therefore he was in a position to make intelligent analysis evaluation of how to proceed this new time when he's entering Israel after Moshe dies with a mission to go and use espionage as part of his campaign against the Canaanites. So he says, He understood cold the reasons behind the fiasco. He understood because he was there, physically there, in the middle of the whole thing, what the problem was with the Moraglim that led them <coughs> to say bad about Israel. And what is it that caused the whole Israel to follow them? You see, if the ten spies would come back and just butcher, be like a show meeting. Ten guys letting off steam, big deal. And everybody else not impressed. But we all know, the whole Christ went crazy. They cried. You know, we're in terrible danger. That's what made the whole mess. That's what got Hashem angry. And so... Yoshua was there and he saw it happening and he understood all the reasons behind it. So Joshua, suggested Barbadon, made a careful and intelligent study of the mistakes that had been made in Pasha Shlach so that when he engages in a Shlach, he's not going to beat these mistakes. And he was successful, Yoshua in today's Haftarah, in avoiding the problems that happened in Parsha Shlach. <coughs> and the Barbadel here, in a very Machiavellian way, and again, I don't mean this in the vulgar sense of cynical, Machiavellian in the sense of a very philosophically intelligent analysis of the events of the past. So he said, the Barbadel suggests, um, that Yeshua said, that the reason the Moraglim failed was for four, uh, uh, the, the whole thing, the reason it turned into a disaster, a fiasco that permanently affected Claudius role. Because, you know, it's Tishabel, right? So, um, the reason, there are four reasons. And he's going to undertake to avoid the four reasons. Ho'achas, Shehem b'mitzvah Hashem holchus shnei mosar anoshim, v'zeshitzibu sh'am y'aminu yosef b'shon lo'shanro, v'nishik ma'shem shach. There were two doggone many Moraglim. Moshe picked one from each tribe. Uh, twelve altogether. That's a big group. If ten out of the twelve, ten guys come back together and they say, that's a big Roshan. If one guy or maybe two came back, eh. But if you see ten guys, like you see, ten big rabbis get together and they all say something, just the fact that it's a large number of people, uh, that made a big Roshan on the Jewish people and led them to freak out and panic. 
the large number of spies. Hashenis, sheshochum kulam anoshim rosh of the Israel hema ulamayosim hoizem hamuna biyoser. And Moshe made a mistake again, in retrospect, by picking the Nesim, Rosh Alpha Yisrael Hema, elite members. Because if he would send Stom some guy a spy, James Bond, so come back and say it was a big country. People say yes, hey, James Bond, big deal. If you got Nachshim Ben Avadadim, whoever it is, you know, Nachim Ben see all these guys who were Rosh Kulam Anashim Rosh Ben Yisrael Eid, the Kruyo Eid, if they were such chash of a people. And people say, yes, if they're saying it, it must be true. They're such high madrigan, they're so well respected, that therefore the very uh, great respect that they enjoyed enabled their lush and heart to penetrate into the minds of the masses of the Jewish people. And in retrospect, this is a mistake. Number three, the third problem, Shemosha Shochem Ledvorm Enum Tibia Regal. Moshe did not uh, confine the mission narrowly enough. Like a lot of times in business, they'll say, it's define your mission, correct? And <clears throat> make your mission narrow and doable. And Moshe made a mistake, Yoshua felt, according to this interpretation of Barbanel, that he said like this, <clears throat> yes, spy out the military things, but Moshe also tell like this, and by the way, give me a travelogue. What's the story? Oops. I have a problem with my video. I'll just do this in the, uh, in the, in the audio. So the, the Barbanel is going to the third reason, and he says Moshe went uh, beyond the mission. Why do you want to know what the weather is, uh, what the uh, climate is, what the karka is? You know, Mohart, Satovahimra, Hayeshba Eitzim Ayin, things like that. That's not part of the military mission of finding out the military situation with the with the seven nations of Canaan, the Bible says. And that opened the Pandora's box because <clears throat> the people came back and said, oh, the land, it's a terrible climate, blah, blah, blah. You understand? In other words, if Moshe would have been more circumspect and prudent in defining the mission, as we say today, in defining the mission clearly and narrowly, and if he would define the mission to focus strictly on where their brigades are located, what's the nation of their fort- what nature of their fortifications, how much cavalry they have, and all that kind of junk, then the people wouldn't have been able to come back. As their Barbara puts it, Moshe Shilcham, uh, he sent them to things that have nothing to do with espionage. So that already basically said like this, don't just come back with a report of their fortifications and their military. Come back with a report of their climate. Well, the Jews, once you ask my opinion, the climate stinks. <laughs> you know? It's too human. It's this, that, and the other. And that freaked everybody out. So Meshul made a mistake in not narrowly enough defining the mission, he suggests. And finally, Sibar Vias. Sheshulcha Moshe Ba'atzas Kol Yisrael B'dayton. This is very interesting, because, you know, there are two places in the Chumash where the story of the Meraglam is told, A and B. The first is in today's Parsha, Parsha Shlach, but the next one is in Dvorim, the beginning of Dvorim, where Moshe Rabbeinu at the beginning starts saying, how do we get in this situation, why are we here 40 years later, 
The Moshe says, You came and asked me. You all came and asked me, uh, you know, uh, to send spies. And so basically, there was a general board, uh, general membership meeting. And at the general membership meeting of the Claudius Rob, the, sp- the, the, the spies were chosen. And that's bad because it meant that whatever they said, they're coming having been elected, so to speak, by Kal Yisrael. But Shuvasim Elobel Cholon. And when they responded, they responded publicly to everybody. <clears throat> so what he means is like this Moshe should have sent him out personally on his own authority. And when he came when they came back, Moshe should have taken him into a tent. And he said, Okay, guys, report to me. To me. Alone in this tent. I will evaluate what you're saying. So then they could have bortured to Moshe and so on and so forth. And he would tell him like this, I sent you, you came as my spies, therefore everything in this room is privileged information. <clears throat> Don't go out there and start spreading your opinions to the rest of Claudius Rome. Because nobody sent you except me. So I'm the one you report to, and I will evaluate you know, re- your reports. But no, all the people came in a big mass, and they said we wanted to choose the, the spies. And when they come back, they should report to us who in this public meeting has chosen them. No. So when it comes to that, they freaked everybody out. Because in a public setting where all the Jews were there, which, by the way, is also always a disaster to get all the Jews there. You don't even want that in a show meeting. So when everybody was there. That's when they said, oh, what was me? So you understand? That sent the panic into everybody. So it wasn't smart from the Machiavellian point of view for Moshe to make them publicly chosen and to come back and give a public report on television. That they shouldn't have done. Anyway, that's what he suggests. Now, um, Yoshua, oh, and another great point. So this is a great point. This is a wonderful deek of the, of the Barbanel. Look at the Chumash and go to uh, Perik, uh, I think it's an end of Chukas, 2132 or 2133. And you'll say, So when he's a war against Sichon Og, he also sends spies. <coughs> Moshe, how can you send spies? Didn't you get blow up in your face the last time? Yoshua discerned from this very correctly, the Rabbanel suggests, that the problem was not with the etzim sending of espionage, because that's normal what you do in a war. After all, if you were commanding a force, would you be so uh, stupid as to say, let's attack in this direction when I have no idea what kind of enemy is facing there? That's an unbelievable, terrible risk. You could run into a hornet's nest. Many times in history it's happened that way. That commanders go into area with inadequate intelligence of what they're going to be facing, and they get the surprise of their life, and their whole command is wiped out. You see, so that's bad. Moshe knows that, and he says, just because Parsha Shlach didn't work out, doesn't mean that espionage is bad per se, right? Vayishlach Moshe Malachim Vayiragel is as Yaz. What's it? Vayishlach Moshe. 
Anashim Laragelis Yazer. That later, 40th year, because Parshas Chukas in the end is 38 years later. Moshe sends spies. Nothing wrong with that. Pasik doesn't uh, criticize that. So Yoshua now, after the death of Moshe, says, <coughs> the Pshaw with the Ragam was not the fact that he sent spies. The Pshaw with the Ragam was the other four things that we mentioned before. So if I now am facing Yericho, I'm going to send spies. I'm simply going to avoid the mistakes of Moshe Rabbeinu. That's how he sees it. It's a cute word. And let me finish. Uh, so what happened? So Yoshua said, I'm also going to do that and send spies to find out what's doing with the Yericho. Nothing wrong with that. But, watch this. Moshe sent 12, I'm sending 2. So that way, if the two spies come back with a bad report, it's one or two guys won't make that big Russian. Velo Russia Bene Israel, I'm Russian Ragul. And it doesn't say who they are. See the Barbanel is learning Pashib Shot. And the Pashib Shot is it was not Kalev. And it was not Pinchas Ben Alozar Ben Aaron Which makes more sense that they would go to base Rochabazona. Yes, him. Makes more sense. They're professional spies, you know, James Bond and Chaim Bond. And they came in there and Vayishlach Yehoshua menashitim shnayim anoshim meraglim cheresh leimor. He sent two guys, two nameless individuals. When I say nameless individuals, they were the type that's good for spying. As a matter of fact, one of the most important aspects of being a spy is to be inconspicuous, right? Is being conspicuous. So he sent two guys over there. So first of all, it was two and not twelve. <coughs> Second of all, cheresh. <coughs> he did it silently. You, the reader of the Haftorah, the book of Yoshua, you know the story. At the time Moshe dispatched them, nobody was aware of it. You get it? So it wasn't like there was a big public meeting and all the rest of it. If they come back with a bad report, they're going to report privately to Joshua and to nobody else, so they can't cause as much harm. And that's why it says, Shnayim Anashim Cheresh, the whole thing was done by Shtika Rabbah, not only the enemy shouldn't know, but also that the Jews shouldn't know. Boy, is that a true word. Because there's no secret with Jews, and anyway, they'd be hawking like crazy, you know, to be, that'd be the talk of the mikvah, you know. And Moshe, and Joshua didn't say, tell me about the weather, tell me about the agriculture. All he said is, meaning, find me the military stuff. Right? I'm not interested in what they're thinking. I want to know from a strictly military West Point point of view, how is the easiest way to go and take this place down? And therefore they didn't have to go and do that. Okay, so to conclude, Yoshua sent two and not ten, or two and not twelve. He didn't tell anybody that he was sending them. Okay? Um, he told them to concentrate only on, on military matters. And uh, what was the other thing? And it wasn't said publicly. And they weren't prominent people. It was not Yoshua. I mean, it was not Kalev. It was not Pinchas. If Kalev and Pinchas would come back and give a bad report, by definition, people say this. Oh, that were really screwed. They, Kalev was the guy who said the first time was good. Now he's the one who's saying, Ben, he has Nemonis. Now, I know that never happened. I'm simply saying, the Bible is pointing out, 
that Yeshua is a matter of political leadership and prudence, says, by definition, methodologically, I don't want to send a Kalev. Precisely because Kalev has big creds with the Kalev Yisrael, deservedly so. He deserved the creds. But so that, that makes him a bad person to send on a mission like this, because it leaves no margin for error in case he says something bad. But Eretz Yisrael, he'll get instant credibility because he was believed last time. So that Gufa makes it that I don't want to use him. In other words, Yoshua Benun used, I suppose, what they would say today, good personnel choice policies. Right? I'm not a personnel guy, but, you know, I know what that is. So do you. <clears throat> you choose the right um, dossier. <clears throat> and you don't want to choose somebody that has huge credibility when you send him a mission like this. That lesson he shows from Moshe. So anyway, that is a classic of Barbanel. It's Omic Hubshot. You see, the guy sat down and, and thought about the story long and hard. He applied, you know, as they say, uh, political science, political philosophy thinking, exactly like his contemporary Machiavelli. It's just striking to me that they live at the same time. They didn't know each other, but uh, um, using those thoughts. And also, look how intelligently Yoshua approached the whole project, meaning what happened last time and what went wrong. It is necessary for us to have an after, what's it like after a battle, you know, uh, an after event review so that we won't make the same mistake twice. Everybody makes a mistake. The only problem is don't make it twice. And in a Hanami, it so happened that the two spies he sent, so happened, as we know the story, uh, they carried out their mission. And they came back and they didn't say, Oi, woe is us, Eretz Ochelz Yoshua he came back with a proper report. Um, I guess the main reason they came back with a proper report is because Rachav Azur said, I guess, we're scared to death of you. So, okay. But whatever the case is, it's a Yoshua coming across as a very intelligent analyst of, pol- of public policy. That's what strikes me as something very nice about this of Barbanel. Uh, I don't think most people usually study the Tanakh with the Barbanel, which is a shame. And it goes to show you He's a little bit long, but it goes to show you that um, you can do very, very interesting things with the Abarbanel, particularly in Nach, particularly in the Vim Ksubim. That's where he's usually at his most original and most creative. And here's an example. Anyway, that's what I wanted to say. I hope that should wrap up the week. I hope everybody have a good Shabbos. I want to thank the Glucks again for, as they say, stepping up to the plate and kindly sponsoring this uh, podcast. I hope we'll get some people who will Step up for this coming week. Without a bid, you'll get shots. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.